My name is Davis Smith. I'm the CEO of Cotopaxi and an MBA graduate of the Wharton School. The Latter-day Saint MBA Society was founded by a group of MBA students and alumni who are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, with the hope of bringing together a community of business people striving to bless the world. In this podcast, you'll hear interviews with Latter-day Saint thought leaders that we hope will inspire you both in your professional and spiritual life. For more information about the Latter-day Saint MBA Society, visit latterdaysaintmba.com. And now I'll pass it over to Kurt Frankham, who will host this week's interview. Welcome back to another episode of the Latter-day Saint MBA podcast. Today, I have the opportunity to sit down with the co-founders of Chatbooks, Vanessa and Nate Quigley. How are you two? Awesome. We're great. <laughs> nice to meet you, Kurt. Nice. Now, I don't know if the uh, the co-founders of Chatbooks, is, is that the the first thing that should come describing you to? I mean, I guess you're you're married and, and these things, but uh, I mean, <laughs> how, how would you have people quickly introduce you? No, that's right. We're That's what we're doing with all of our time right now. Um, well, not all of our time. We do have seven kids. All, yeah, all of our yeah. professional time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right. But we, yeah, cool. we co-founded the Quigley family 27 years ago. Awesome. And then after 20 years of begging Vanessa to um, work with me and various things that she wasn't interested in, we, we finally had the right <laughs> thing for us to work on together. And we started so, Chatbooks seven years ago. Nice. And so just rattle off some of those other ideas that didn't make it to uh, this oh, companionship. No, they were, they were so boring. The, <laughs> the two businesses that I worked on before Chatbooks, uh, Vanessa wanted nothing to do with. And that, that's actually really good because we had our hands full at, at the house as well. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Nice. No, but he nice. used to he used to want to engage in pillow talk where we would talk. He would we would brainstorm business ideas that we could do together, and my brain just was not there. It was that was not interesting to me. I wasn't. It, I right. wasn't any fun in that game. <laughs> <laughs> Such a romantic. That's great. That's yeah, awesome. exactly. So Vanessa, I have to ask my deep research here. I came across on your LinkedIn profile. It says from eighty eight to eighty nine, you were on the entertainment. You're an entertainment cast member for Walt Disney World. Anything uh, to note there, or that launched you into the path you're on today? Yes, actually, I grew up in Orlando, and I'm oldest of twelve kids. So we didn't go to Disney World very often. But one year, they offered a incredible deal to uh, Florida residents. And my parents bought us all season passes. And my favorite thing about going to Disney World was watching the parades and the shows. And I wanted to be one of those people so badly that my, I think it was my junior year. No, maybe it was my senior year of high school. Um, I saw in the paper and uh, like a big open call for casting for Walt Disney World. And I skipped school. And instead of going to school, drove down to the audition and auditioned and was able to um, land a role in one of the summer parade and a bunch of the shows. And I never got to play like one of the fun princesses or face characters, but I was a really good Pluto and Eeyore. (laughs) (laughs) That's your claim to fame. But I will say that my, uh, my experience working at Disney and being ingrained with, you know, the importance of storytelling, like as a Disney cast member, and actually they call everybody who works at Disney World a cast member. You can be, you know, dishing up French fries and you're part of the cast because the whole experience is to transport visitors to another world. And that's all through storytelling. And you are telling that story as you're, you know, 
transacting at the cashier of people's lunch, um, as well as on top of the castle, waving and doing your dance up there in the, you know, the, the fireworks show. Um, so yeah, the, the importance of storytelling and how deep that needs to be and how everything that you put out there for your customer has to be in line with that story or brand. That's something that is, you know, stuck with me and it's been really important as we build our business together at Chatbooks. That's awesome. And, and Nate, for you growing up, I mean, I know your, your, your father, Jim is well known with his work with Deloitte and whatnot. And, uh, was the business career path always a given for you? It's yeah, I don't, it's really interesting because my dad had a terrific career in professional services. He graduated from Utah state, joined uh, Deloitte Haskins and sales as a, as a staff accountant in Salt Lake city. And then, you know, 35 years later was the global CEO in, in New York city. Um, it did make sense to me to follow my dad's footsteps. I mean, I love my dad. I, I, I just have, he's sort of a superhero to me. So I, I thought I would begin my career in professional services. Um, and I, and I did, I started my first two years out of, out of BYU were at McKinsey and company, a consulting firm. And then I went back to business school, but somewhere along the way, I just really decided that I wanted to be involved in, in starting and growing businesses. I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Um, and I'm just so lucky that my, you know, my dad, who had this great career in professional services and created so many opportunities uh, for our family, you know, he might've in his back of his mind thought, well, that sounds kind of crazy. Uh, but he never said it, you know, he, he was always just encouraging me to, you know, figure out what it is that I wanted to do and, and then go after it. Um, the only career advice dad really ever gave me was just go where you're going to learn the most in the next couple of years. Hmm. And I decided somehow leaving business school that I was going to learn more trying to start a company than I would learn by going back to McKinsey, which would have been for sure the sort of smart, intelligent, you know, risk reward appropriate type decision. Yeah. Um, cause the offer to go back to the, you know, to those consulting firms, um, out of business schools is, is pretty incredible. I kind of wish he had spoken up and said, just go back for a couple of years. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, no, it didn't make any sense to do what we did. But um, nonetheless, we left business school with, you know, six figures of debt and jumped right into a startup where, you know, we didn't have a customer. We didn't have a product. It was me and two guys um, and have been doing crazy entrepreneurial things ever since. Yeah, yeah. And so for you, Vanessa, was it a, I mean, was it, was it not until you heard the right idea that you knew that maybe your life would be more in a professional business setting or was this something that from a young age you always knew that that was in you? Um, you know, my family are all entrepreneurs. Like I remember as a young girl, you know, my mom had 12 kids and she would be writing up business plans for big ideas. Like my family just has big ideas, uh, but I'm more of a performer. And so my big dream was to be on Broadway and be on the stage. And I studied music uh, at BYU and was hoping to have a professional opera career. But um, I also had a baby before I graduated from BYU. And so that kind of changed the, the trajectory of my career. Um, and I enjoyed performing all while we were raising our family. And, you know, toward the idea of maybe starting a theater company one day on my own, but I was not like thinking about software businesses or product businesses. Um, I just really <laughs> like to be on stage mm -hmm. uh, and, and also directing. I love directing. Uh, but the, the way we ended up working together and being business partners um, was because we both had a passion for family history and family memories. 
and uh, you know, Nate had started building a business, a lot of software. I'm excited to hear how <laughs> this, she describes this. Years of our <laughs> life and all of our savings, um, building out his answer to you know how software could help you safeguard, organize, and enjoy your family memories. And it wasn't really working that well, um, but. We had a couple of users, Kurt. Your mom, <laughs> your sister, maybe. Um, right. No, but I was the target customer. Like I was the user that he was trying to hook and it wasn't working. And I just had this idea of what I really wanted. And when I spoke up and told him what I thought he should really be building, um, I think those years of not really growing or gaining any traction with the way he was going about it, he he was sufficiently humble what she's saying Kurt, is i was absolutely idea. desperate for a <laughs> idea that would save us because we yeah. were you know right at the end of our of our little rope that we had you know built up over a career you know yeah. but when you when you um don't listen carefully enough as an entrepreneur and you kind of go in your little cave with your co-founders and you know developers and you just build 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 you know it starts to get pretty expensive and um, then it starts to eventually be pretty lonely and, um, I, you know, I was, I was having at that point, the, you know, the, the, the famous walking around the kitchen at three o'clock in the morning, you know, moments of what have I done and what am I going to do to get out of this pickle of my own creation? And so when Vanessa had this brilliant idea, when she came downstairs one night, uh, after talking to our son, who just was holding on to a couple of printed photos, really the only printed photos that existed of him in the world. She said, look, none of us want to use any of that. And by none of us, she meant her, her sisters, her friends. We don't want to use any of this complicated stuff that you guys have been building for the last two and a half years. Just print my Instagram. And um, yeah, the little light bulb went off. I'm like, wow, that's a really good idea. And we went back into the office the next day. And uh, with the startup team that we'd assembled, that we'd been working hard you know, with for two and a half years, put together a, a really simple way uh, to print Vanessa's Instagram and showed it to her sisters and her friends. They all wanted it and away we went. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so that wasn't necessarily like uh, he invited Vanessa to various meetings and, and did a focus group no. with her friends or just sort of that moment of saying, this is just what I want. So go do this. Right. Yes. Yeah. Well, even at that moment, I was like, go build this thing that I want. I don't want any part of it. Yeah. Oh, she's yeah. like, Oh, I'm your customer. And you know, but she wasn't, there was no way she was joining the, the company. No, but, he, the but he hasn't, wasn't kind of building it how I wanted. The colors weren't right. There were just, I had a lot to say. And finally I realized if I'm going to really get what I want, what I know other customers like me want, I need to be more involved. And, and I also I had to... begged her a bunch more times <laughs> to say, Hey, will you please just come work with us? Like we, we need your help. It's me and four other guys and we're just going to keep missing it. But I was stubborn right. that I didn't think we could have a successful working relationship. I, I've always been the boss of my life. He's always been the boss in his world. I just didn't know how we would work well together. And also I was at a point where my youngest was just going to school full time. And I had this, you know, time in my life that I'd been dreaming about where I would have my days to myself. And I had other plans that did not involve <laughs> building a business. It was a lot of yoga, maybe going back to get my master's in music, um, more performing. But um, since this is a Latter-day Saint podcast, I will say I was reading my scriptures one morning and uh, all of a sudden had nothing to do with the words on the page, but it was very loud and clear in my heart and my head that I was supposed to join the Chapbooks team full-time. And um, 
Yeah, I broke down in tears and I called Nate and I told you and I, I think I yelled, yes, <laughs> finally. And I just thought, no, this is not what I want to be doing. But as soon as I started digging in and learning and seeing what an impact, um, you know, good, a good company products that help, you know, strengthen families, what an impact that can have in our family and our community and in the world. Uh, I was hooked. Nice. And, and so Nate, was there, were, were you already inviting Vanessa to be part yeah. of the company? And, and, and then this, you're just grateful when this revelation. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay. You know, I, I'd already received this revelation, you know, long before, but it yeah. was, Vanessa was obviously just, you know, wasn't sure that that's what she wanted to do, but it's worked out great. We've had a yeah. lot of fun ever since. Um, yeah. It's been really, really awesome to have Vanessa as our chapbooker in chief, you know, a really essential part of both what we're building and how we're talking about it, um, you know, ever since. Yeah. And, and there's so many more dynamics to this, you know, that maybe what come out in that, just the, that summarized stories that, you know, inviting your spouse to be part of a company that you're building. I mean, you're not just hiring another employee or getting another teammate. I mean, what, what sort of thoughts went through your mind as you're considering the dynamics that will happen at home, not just at the office? I'm way more impulsive than that, Kurt. I just had this sense that I really want, Vanessa could really help us. Gotcha. And uh, I hadn't thought a whole lot more than that. Vanessa, we've been together for 27 years, married, and then we dated a year at BYU and then wrote for two years as I was a missionary and dated another year when I got home. So I kind of knew we're going to get along and it's going to be great. But I was a little concerned about like how everything else was going to shake down because working full time. And then still we had at that point, what, six kids living at home. Yeah. Um, but you know, it helps to be a business partner with your life partner because we just divided and conquered as needed. And I made it a point to try to be home when the kids got home from school and we just tag team when we need to, when, when different things that we're working on the business are taking priority and yeah. My favorite part was watching Vanessa try to try to, um, get out of business trips that she had to take that she had been committed to. Cause you know, I've spent plenty of my career thinking, Oh man, why did I book this trip? I do not want to go the night before. And Vanessa said this, it was like, it sounded like a fun vacation. She's like, what do you mean? Why don't you want to go? You, you know, you get to read a book. I'm like, no, it's not like that. You have to then go do stuff and talk to people. And I don't want to go. And I would always be like, so excited if there was a last minute cancellation of a trip, I felt like I'd skipped a class, you know, and was just had all this time back in my life. And yeah. then, so watching Vanessa have like press tours or something set up and then watching her packing her bag and kind of begrudgingly trudging out the front door. I was like, that's it. She gets it. I See, yeah. and that is one point I wanted to make is that this stint working together these last seven years, I think we both appreciate each other more. Like I have a way deeper understanding of what his career has been like, you know, as a supporter on the sidelines through business school and through, you know, startup life. Like it, it was hard. There was a lot that, you know, I had to do and give and, support on the sidelines, but I didn't really know what was happening in those boardrooms and, you know, out raising money and doing all of that until I was actually in that seat, you know, as we were building chat books. And, you know, I would just look at Nate and think, oh my gosh, like I had no idea this was this hard. You know, I just wanted you to come home from these little work trip vacations (laughs) and like, give me a break. But what you were doing was so hard. And at the same time, now that you are 
roles are reversed sometimes. That's true, babe. They're a little more appreciation. So. My favorite uh, fundraising with Vanessa's story uh-uh, is we were uh-uh. in San uh-uh. Francisco story. at Goldman Sachs, and I looked story. over at her, and in the way she described looking over to me, well, wow, this is really hard. I looked over and she was asleep. <laughs> that's so embarrassing. <laughs> it was the best. No, that's what's been so fun. Like these meetings don't really matter. Okay. You know, I don't know. It's just nothing. I guess that's maybe one of the themes that we would share with, with people coming out of business school or thinking about going to business school or just starting on their careers is that so many of these things that feel so absolutely critical in the moment, like you're pitching Goldman Sachs and some fancy skyscraper, you know, and you fall asleep. Who cares? It doesn't matter. <laughs> it just doesn't matter. Yeah. So many of the so, things that we Kurt, think matter. It was so hot in that room. And we had been up late night. There's no, we don't need to, it's fine. It's just funny. What, what, my big message so many times to, um, to folks like us who were just like us in our, in our early twenties where everything feels so consequential. Like, man, if I right. don't do this right, or if I, of these three perfectly incredible options, how do I pick like the right one? Well, they're all right. just It's okay. It, like, yeah. I don't know. In general, turning down this sort of, this is so important meter is a big theme uh, for me. It doesn't mean we don't strive and try and do our best, but um, I just, I think I've gotten, as I've gotten older, more of this perspective on, you know, all this stuff sort of, it actually doesn't matter. Like we, we should do our best. Yeah. And then whatever happens is going to be just fine. Well, and chances are you don't really know what's best for you. Like when we were undergrad at BYU and he really wanted this monitor internship. Oh, yeah. This is a good like example. So bad. And he didn't get it. And it was like, no, that was the thing that was going to lead to this. That was going to lead to getting to McKenzie. That would lead to going to, you know, Harvard. And like now everything was ruined because he didn't get this monitor internship. Well, we were able to somehow put together a Deloitte internship yeah. in Paris. Kurt, see if you can figure this <laughs> out. I don't know. I must have had a really, really good interview because I interviewed with Deloitte and said we wanted to go to Paris and they said yes. <laughs> and it's, this is so, well, I mean, of course, because my dad is a leader at Deloitte, you know, but I, I didn't like ask dad, hey, dad, can you call someone and see if you can help us find this opportunity? I would never have done that to my dad. But it was also just hilarious that in my sort of 21-year-old mind, I assumed that we got that opportunity because I had such a good interview, you know, no, where I'm heaven. sure they recognized my last name or like, Maybe. okay, well, whatever. But sure. I will say heaven <laughs> knew that that is an experience we needed for our family because that summer in Paris, we had just had a brand new baby. So the three of us went to Paris for the summer. We loved it so much that we went back again later with um, more children and he was able to, you know, do a year with McKinsey there and, you know, France and Paris and everything in, in that culture has just been a huge part of our family, you know, family right. culture. And, and we wouldn't, it wouldn't have happened had we, and you know, had we actually gotten the one monitor internship in Boston that we wanted yeah. so desperately. Yeah. There was one of them and I ended up kind of competing in the sort of final round with one of my really good friends and he got the job and I was excited for him, but I was, you know, bummed that we didn't get it. But thankfully we didn't get it because we were yeah. able to go do this other thing that that ended up being really important to us. Yeah. You know, that perspective is so helpful because as uh, in your twenties and even in your thirties, you, you feel sort of, you feel like an adult, you feel older and 
but you don't realize how young you are until right. you know several decades later, later even a mm-hmm. decade later. You know, and there's so much time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it sounds like with just with your working relationship, there are some complexities, but there's also this dynamic of when you one of you come home and say I've really had a tough day at the office, like you just have a deeper understanding as is what that means and yeah and, and what that feels like, right? Oh, I, I think we're definitely, I mean, we're, we're closer every year, but this last seven years working together at Chatbooks has been amazing for our relationship. That's great. That's great. Well, I, you sent me, and we've maybe touched on some of these principles that you sent me already, but uh, we'll dive in for sure. But I want to go back a little bit just between, uh, Nate, your, your time between BYU and Harvard. Uh-huh. Uh, anything, and you touched on a little bit, but as far as like making, was Harvard always, I mean, that's like the dream school, right? Was that like Harvard or nothing or well, what was the yeah. process of getting to Harvard? It, it's so funny because uh, I'm again thinking, why did that get that stuck in my head? And I think we've talked about my dad a few times now. I mean, I, again, I love my dad and look up to him so much. And somewhere along the way, I heard him say that he would have wanted to go to Harvard Business School. He didn't. He, he, he was undergraduate at Utah State started at Deloitte and that was his you know, career. He, he never went back to business school, but he had a really good friend that went to Harvard Business School. And I remember him talking about how his friend was able to do this thing that he thought would be really, you know, would have been so interesting. And somehow I just heard my dad say that sort of one time driving around somewhere and I just parked it in my brain. Okay, that's what I need to do. And um, I got really, you know, lucky that I was accepted to that school because I only applied to one school. Oh, yeah. Um, Which is interesting now that we have children in this age, young adults who are like trying to figure out their career path. I hear you say things like do reasonable, smart things. And (laughs) I I didn't do any reasonable, smart things. Yeah. Don't, don't just think that it's Harvard or nothing. Like who knows? I absolutely thought it was Harvard or nothing. And, you know, the thought of applying to another school, I was just like, well, no, because I, I, it has to be Harvard. But of course it didn't have to be Harvard. Yeah. Um, but for whatever reason, that was kind of the story I was trying to write uh, for you know, my own little character arc and for our, our, and our family. And, yeah. and luckily, Heavenly Father was sort of must have said, oh, OK, that's fine. <laughs> if they, yeah, sure. if that's really what you want to do. Sure. But it's right. not like uh, I think looking backwards that that was you know, some absolutely critical moment in time that changed everything. It was just you know, it was a great opportunity, a great experience. But. I could have had just exactly the same, you know, career, not going to business school, going to any number of other business schools. Um, but it is so hard to see that when you're 21, you get really locked. At least I did. I was very locked in on like, this is the path. Which is why you work so hard to yeah. dispel that myth to our kids. Maybe that's right it. Now. Maybe yeah. that's, maybe that's why I, I do try to dispel that myth. I, I really do believe that there are a thousand paths or maybe 10,000 and they're all perfectly great. Yeah. 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 And so maybe, um, you know, contrasting that story with your, the Paris internship, I mean, sometimes mm-hmm. you get a no, but the, the Lord's yeah. in that journey and sometimes you get a yes and he's there too. Or, or maybe That's he just right. thinks, you know, if you want it, fine, you know, there it is. And it, the funny thing about that one, uh, again, the funniest part is how I, it didn't dawn on me, like why I got that internship. But the, the second funniest part is, <laughs> is that Vanessa had always talked about like one of our little dreams and we want to live in Europe and Vanessa's going to sing and I was going to do who knows what something. And, um, and so when we decided to have our, our first child, so Vanessa talked about how, you know, her, her dreams of singing, you know, kind of got a little sidelined by the fact that she was pregnant really early. That was a, that was actually not an accident. That was a decision. 
we came out of the temple one day and neither one of us spoke to the other as we drove home from the Provo Temple as, you know, little brand new newlyweds, our sophomore year. Oh, I guess it was our junior year. Mm-hmm. Because we had both had this massive revelation that we were supposed to start our family, but we had just gotten home from our honeymoon. And we were oh, like, wow, was that so? Wow. And it was like in the first, you know, couple of weeks we've been married. And, and the whole idea of being like, hey, we're going we're gonna to go to live in Europe and there are these opera houses in Germany and all this stuff that, you know, Vanessa was a, was a, a, a performing arts major at BYU and studying opera. And um, we kind of both felt like, wow, deciding to have a baby right now means that we're not going to follow that storyline that we thought we'll never get was to Europe. We'll never be able to live in Europe and do that thing. Um, but then one, I, I, neither one of us can remember who blurted it out first, but it was something like, wait a minute, did you feel something in the temple that, and we both were like, yes, and tears and all that. And so yeah. it, was, it was time to have a baby. And Vanessa, you know, sang the, in, the, in the opera, our junior year at BYU, six months pregnant, you know, they had to rewrite the character to having had a tryst with the prince or something like that. You to know, explain that. the giant belly. But. <laughs> but, and then, you know, miraculously, we were able to go to Paris and have this incredible yeah. experience there with our little, you know, two-week-old newborn. Our parents must have again thought we were crazy because mm-hmm. we were, you know, taking off for a summer in a little studio apartment in Paris with, I mean, Calvin was two weeks old when we left. Two weeks when he got his passport, three weeks when we left. Okay. But still, anyway, did, yeah. I mean, if, our, if one of our kids came to us, we'd be like, what, what are you talking about? You're not taking a three week old baby to studio apartment in Paris, you know? Um, but yeah, to your, I think your point was, you know, you, you feel like there's one path, there's a story, a certain story you're trying to write, but there's just a hundred thousand twists and turns and they're all yeah. great and just embrace them. Yeah. yeah. And what I appreciate about, about that story is that even though you felt inspired to start your family or have a, have a child, that didn't discourage you from maybe going to Europe. You know, you just thought, you know, we'll figure it out. It's going to be complicated. It might be hard. People thought you were crazy, but you figured it out. And now it's a great uh, memory and something that helped you along in your career. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. All right, let's jump into these uh, principles that you sent. And like I said, uh, we've touched on a few of these. The first one being, what's your story? Um, Anything else to add to that? Uh, Obviously, we've reflected on your own story. We're currently obsessed with that whole hero's journey framework, you know, and and I think it goes back to another one of Vanessa's. um, So, you know, again, starting her family so young, it it seemed like Vanessa was going to not have the performing career that, you know, we talked about when we were dating and that she had hoped for for a long time. You've been in a lot of shows, a lot of operas, a lot of musicals and a lot of the different places that we've lived. And it was fun to watch Vanessa kind of you know, between babies have a comeback tour and do like three, you know, um, regional theater performances. And then, okay, now it's seven months worth of baby. Okay. We're going to probably have to retire again for another, you know, year mm-hmm. or so, but watching Vanessa have the, all of these, um, comebacks and retirements at, while we had seven children was pretty fun. One of the shows that she did was into the woods. She was the baker's wife for anyone who's seen this great show. I remember this one probably because it does involve kissing princes. And, uh, I, I had to kiss a lot. A lot of princes. It was a little disturbing for the children. <laughs> it was fun bringing the kids to the show. And um, it, that was one of the things I, I love about our, our little story as a couple and as a family is our kids have seen mom doing just kind of chasing her dreams and doing her thing as long as they can remember anything. I mean, they were, you know, being in the audience as a, 
has a two and three and four year old. There's lots of family pictures uh, at mom's shows. Um, but that's such a great, that's such a great, and you know, it's a weird show with kind of fun and amazing and weird music. But the basic idea is you go into the woods, you have these adventures, you have these challenges, you meet these mentors, you have the gift of the goddess, you know, the little doodads that you get to help you through the whole adventure. And then you emerge again, strengthened and transformed. Something happens to you in the woods that changes you. And we love that idea as a way of getting through the challenges that we are in, you know, that we're constantly running into because you're in and out of the woods the whole time. But if you can somehow think of it as this is just part of the hero's journey and there's something we're learning in here, there's some new battle scar we're going to emerge with that's going to make us different, stronger than we were when we went in um, is a really a, a framework that we really like. As we go back in time, we weren't thinking about that when we were 21. Mm-mm. And we never could have scripted the way our story has played out oh, yeah. over the years. But just being like open to the adventure. You remember those choose your own adventure like yeah. books when we were kids? It's kind of like just wait till you get there and see what happens. And then the the lessons that you learn and the things that you pull out of your experiences, um, you know, that, that's the, that's the control you have over your story. It's like, how are you going to spin it? How are you going to retell it? How is it going to strengthen you and your posterity? Yeah. And, and I love the, <clears throat> the emphasis on making sure your children saw that, you know, their, their mother also had a, a larger story that she was engaged with. And cause I, you know, especially in this, in the, the business world where even as an entrepreneur, like you're so focused on building that, that business that, all other dreams and things can sort of be flushed away. Not that anybody meant to, but it just takes right. so much focus and dedication. So you have to be intentional about that, right? Yeah. I, there was one moment in Boston in particular where we, we had started this company coming out of business school. You know, it was in the woods. <laughs> yeah. uh, and there were plenty of moments where that company was not com- coming out of the woods. Like it was just <laughs> going to be torched by the dragon. And that was the end of the story. Um, but it was time for Vanessa to start singing again. And she'd, she'd started taking, you know, she'd been taking some lessons and, and it was just became obvious that we've got to, it, she needs to be back on stage again for, for all of us. Well, yeah. and you were the one that noticed that I, I had lost some of my spark. Let's <laughs> <Yes. laughs> say I just had my fifth baby and he was like, you know what you need? You need to audition. And he, <laughs> I think you even found me the audition. And, you know, that was our baby, that baby was three months old when I started rehearsals. And so this startup, you know, lifestyle that we had gotten ourselves into, um, Nate had to make some adjustments as well. And, um, yeah, it was fun. I, I felt got, like I, you were invested in me as a whole person well, too. I was. And what was so great and rewarding for me too, was that I would be, I would be leaving, you know, our little startup in Cambridge, Massachusetts earlier than, I would have normally been leaving, you know, cause it was, again, it wasn't like it was spitting out cash and doing great. It was like, <laughs> we were trying to keep it alive. But I, I remember so much coming home, relieving the babysitter cause Vanessa had, had left, you know, for rehearsal an hour earlier and getting, you know, dinner. I think she would probably do dinner. But mm-hmm. I don't remember doing, no. I'm still a terrible. I would make cook. sure that everyone yeah. had had dinner, Everything had was baths organized. and more pajamas, but right. you would do but I got to, I got to, um, I, re- I have distinct memories of being in the little rocking chair with Claire and the warmed up bottle, like giving, you know, Claire the, the her little last bottle and then putting her down to bed yeah. at night. And I think that I still, you know, feel this real connection uh, with Claire because I got to be that guy. You didn't get to do that with the other kids up to that point because exactly. you were working so hard. Right. 
And that's why you forget their names sometimes. I mean, it's yeah. fine, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, the next principle you put, and we've touched on this quite a bit, uh, is just start. There's no perfect path. In fact, there are thousands of paths. Anything else we haven't uh, added to that? No, I think we probably hit that one. I, I just really do believe it. I think our, I think Heavenly Father, you know, there, there's the scriptures are so clear about it. Just, you know, keep your eye on what matters most. Everything else will work out. And that's yeah. kind of the theme of a lot of these points that we've written, but that idea of, um, you know, don't, we don't, you don't need to be laser beamed in on, this is the only thing that we'll do. And then you also need to be wondering my dad, man, I really do keep coming back to my dad. I must like my dad and have a lot of respect <laughs> for him. Um, he has a, a saying that I repeat a lot to different folks that, um, are asking me for my opinion on things. He calls, um, some problems, world-class problems you know, where you're picking between four perfect options. You're like, well, this one's slightly more perfect. I'm like, okay, uh -huh. well, that's great. You know, but you don't really, this is the kind of problem, like making this decision that you would really want to have if you were going to have a problem. Um, and I think that's true for so, for so many things that we're faced with. Um, we get ourselves kind of spun up and wound tight about, boy, should we do this or should we do that? But you can just kind of do either. Just do the one that you're most excited about, or in my in my dad's little model, do the one where you're going to learn the most. Yeah. And, and for those people who just might not have quite the confidence to take that first step, like for me, uh, when we when I started working at Chatbooks, you know, I don't have any experience in business. I never took I didn't even take a math class or any type of business class at BYU. Um, I was paralyzed with um, insecurity and like who am I? How could I even be doing this? Like, I, I felt like I couldn't do it. And Nate was the one who helped me see that there's no one right way to be an entrepreneur, like stay at home mom of seven singer, whatever you're qualified to be an entrepreneur if that's what you want to do. And so sometimes we're paralyzed to start something because we don't think we're good enough or we know enough or we're like credentialed enough, but I say, just take that leap of faith and fake it till you make it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you'll, you know, Vanessa is an incredible um, co-founder and storyteller and community leader because she's just herself in her own unique, interesting ways, not sort of a cookie cutter. I got this degree and now I'm going to follow these steps. She just does her thing. And that's what makes her so, so unique and interesting and great at it. Yeah. And I would imagine, you know, you talk about these world-class decisions. I think that's the term you use where world-class problems, so, well, well, yeah, world -class problems <clears throat> where we sort of want that revelation to highlight one particular choice and just go with it. But a lot of times there's not that, that right. revelation. You just have to take those steps forward in faith. Right. And I really like, I, I do think the heavenly father will turn us around if we're, if we're absolutely mm -hmm. on a terrible path. But I think the fact that we don't get turned around very often is another a testament to Heavenly Father sort of saying, well, I don't care what you do. Like, yeah, you can do any of these things. It's fine. It just yeah. doesn't matter. The other stuff matters, you know, so much more. Yeah. And yeah, he um, created us as, as agents of action, right? Not to be acted right. upon as we learn. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Next principle is uh, look for the amazing in every day. I love this one. This We actually use this as a tagline at Chatbooks a couple of times. We, we love Chatbooks as a place to, to capture those little moments that are just awesome, but nothing really happened. Like the, no one's posing for a photo. It isn't a momentous, we need to memorialize this, but it's just that awesome second when you look over at your daughter and she's getting out of the car and you're dropping her off at school and she's just so beautiful. You can't even believe it, you know? And that's the moment I want in my chapbook. 
Um, and so those little amazing moments where there's just, you know, this little like ray of heavenly sunshine just shines through and you realize this is what I'm alive for. This is what I actually care about. It's not the, the family photo with the ocean behind you on the, you know, vacation you've been saving up for for three years. It actually is just like when you drive carpool and your daughter looks over at you and smiles and you're like, that's the whole thing. That's the whole thing right there. Well, sometimes you can be so mired down in the, the, the to-dos and the stuff that has, you know, the work that you don't get to be there at carpool because yeah. you're just, you're working too much. I know. That you don't even lift your head to see the amazing. And we really love um, Elder Iring, President Iring's counsel to, you know, look for the hand of the Lord in your everyday. Um, because I think it's those little moments with your family um, the quiet moments where you're not just grinding out work, but you're, you know, head up and looking and your heart can feel. Yeah. His feel talk. That. Oh, remember, remember it's probably over 10 years ago now. Oh, yeah, that's a great one. It's just one of my favorite talks of all time. And I love how he, he says, if he, you know, he, he's the most incredible journal journaler. You know, I, I think he every really day. does write every single day and, but part of, I think, why he does that so faithfully is it allows him this little moment where he actually looks back over the day, he talks about this in the talk, and he reflects on, did I see the hand of the Lord in my life for the life of our, of our, of our family? And he said, he always did. And as he saw that over and over again over those many, many years, um, I like how he talks about that's his testimony grew. Yeah, uh, because you just couldn't deny having seen the hand of the Lord in in their life. So often, I think that's that's kind of where a lot of the Quigley family testimony comes from. Is mm-hmm. just all these little miracles that when you add them all up, it's just undeniable. We have a, a heavenly Father that loves us and cares about us and is is speaking to us in ways that we can see and understand. And you can see those beautiful, amazing things, even if your business is failing. Yeah. Oh, our business has been failing on many <laughs> yeah. of the years of the career we've been working. <laughs> um, thankfully, right this very second, Kurt, I knock on wood, yeah, we're, it is not currently failing. Yeah. But um, as an entrepreneur, you have you know just tons and tons of lows yeah. along with the occasional, oh, wow, it's really, <laughs> this is a nice view. Um, but yeah, we, we've seen those little small miracles just over and over again in our life. And, and, uh, I'm so grateful for them. Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, just thinking about that, and you're talking about taking pictures, which, uh, relates well with your, your company. Like I, I remember looking back, you know, 30 years ago for my childhood at different photos. And it's almost those where the everyday mm-hmm. ones where yeah. you get a glimpse of what the grocery store looked like back in the eighties yeah. or, or just the, Oh, look, remember when we had that tree there in the yard. Right. And you're almost right. not even concerned with the people in the photos as much as yeah the environment and the feeling that all those, those memories, break, right? That's it. Yeah. All right. Next one is, uh, sounds a little cryptic. Be in Rome. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is our latest thing that we are just well, this, it, 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 it's, it is kind of funny because it's all so similar, but, um, I love tennis. That's kind of how I stay sane is I play tennis a few times a week. Um, I have this purple Nike hat on right now. No one can see yeah. this. This is a podcast, but, um, this is in homage to Rafa Nadal, who is my absolute hero, but there's this hilarious clip, you know, you can find if you Google, uh, Rafa Nadal, we are in Rome. Um, anyway, it, it's a, it's a news conference where he's being asked about how come you didn't do so well in Monte Carlo. And, you know, it sounds like you, you kind of aren't, you're, you're not in peak physical form cause you didn't win in Madrid. And, 
and he's being interviewed in Rome and they're talking about what's, what's to come, the French Open in Paris, where he's, of course, you know, the, the star and has won 13 times. And um, he just has this absolutely hilarious way of saying, like, who cares about Monte Carlo? Who cares? About... He says what happened in Monte Carlo happened and what happened in Barcelona happened. What happened in Madrid happened. And, he, you know, he speaks so fast with his, like, you know, sort of Spanish accented English. And then he says... Here we, are. Here we are. We are in Rome. And so he's not, he doesn't even address the question about Paris. He blows off the past and he's like, hey, we're, we're in Rome right now. Like, and if you ever watch Rafa play or if you know anything about him, he, he plays every single point like the last point didn't happen and the next point's not going to happen. He just plays every point at 100%. And we just love that idea of, and it corresponds perfectly with the Savior's teaching in Matthew 6 of just, hey, tomorrow will take care of itself. You know, uh, sufficient for the day (laughs) is the evil thereof. And we just, we love that general life philosophy. And I love that clip. Um, uh, I'll send it to you, Kurt. Yeah, Yeah, I'd love to link to it for sure. Okay. Um, And so is this a mantra that's happening in your relationship? You're saying, hey, be in Rome. Yeah. Yeah. That reminder. (laughs) He's sending a clip to everyone. All of our kids know exactly what that means. Even for me, just recently, I was starting to get all stressed out about something. He's like, hey, babe. Mm We're in Rome. And it's just like instantly I'm like, yes, this moment right now is perfect. We're here together. The sun is shining. Nothing that happened back then matters. The future doesn't matter. Just enjoy that one moment. My mission president, who was from Paris, who I loved, um, President Ouvrard, Pierre Ouvrard, he lived this as well way back in 1991, 92. And he had a saying, don't regret the past and don't fear the future. Don't worry about the future. Um. He didn't even talk about the present, but it was just clear that what you're supposed to do is just right where you are, right in front of you. That's what matters. Um, and I don't think that's, that's not to say that we shouldn't set goals or we don't have plans or we don't try to kind of, what sort of story do we, we hope learn to have? from what we go through. You know, had Vanessa yeah. and I not been talking about and dreaming about possibly living in Paris, you know, all the weird things that happened wouldn't, we wouldn't have, it wouldn't have happened. We yeah. would have blown right by it. But in terms of where our actual you know, mental energy goes, it's way more about making the most of what's right in front of you. Um, awesome. Love that principle. I, I, we need some t-shirts or something, uh, you know, be in Rome. You know, so we'll see. <laughs> we are in Rome. <laughs> we are in Rome, right? Uh, all right. The, the fifth principle relates to maybe your, your tennis uh, uh, efforts is stay <laughs> healthy, will of wellness, physical, mental, social, and spiritual. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want well, to talk about this, Vanessa? Yeah. So this is something that we really have come to have a testimony of as we have helped um, family members and then members of our YSA ward that we serve, have served in the last three years um, who have struggled with mental health. Um, it's spun out of a desire to find a way to help, you know, boost our mental health, but it's, it's everyone needs to be tending to their wheel of wellness Mm -hmm. because without physical, social, spiritual health, your mental health is not going to be where it needs to be. It's also intertwined. And so he mentioned he plays tennis uh, a few days a week. That is primarily for his mental health. You know, he did have a heart attack the morning (laughs) after playing tennis one day. So I don't know if how physically healthy. Thank goodness for tennis or I wouldn't have known that I, you know, my heart was got some issues. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, But no, like we're complicated, people are complicated organisms and we can't just pay attention to one part of us. 
it's all intertwined. And um, the the wheel analogy, you explain that because you. Well, I just like how, you know, it's, it's either kind of going the right direction or the wrong direction. You know, the wheel is not, it's rolling, it's moving. And, um, and, and, and I, I just love the idea that some of our, some of our, some of our mental health challenges are actually solved by sleeping or by exercising or by eating, you know, eating the right foods. Um, and also just acknowledging that not every single problem is actually solved by praying, you know, for five minutes instead of four minutes or by reading three, I'm, you know, everything's going badly and I'm feeling terrible. So I'm going to read three chapters a day instead of one. Um, that's great. You know, it's not that our spiritual efforts aren't great. I mean, they're wonderful and they'll be very helpful, but I think it's important to acknowledge that there are other aspects to the soul and the soul includes the body. And if the body is not healthy and rested and rested, it's going to have a really hard time with all these other things we're trying to do too. And then we're hoping for, including our, our spiritual health and relationship with our heavenly father. It is interesting though, as we look through old photos spanning the years and oh through goodness. your career, watching his physical, I mean, my physical shape changed as I have babies, right? That's normal, just, but yeah. his physical shape, I, was, you can see where was, he was out of balance. Just <laughs> <laughs> saying. That's one and way so to say it. Okay. We're speaking to, you know, no, it's true. to people who are just starting out on their career. I would say, don't tell yourself you don't have time to take care of your physical body. Or that it's selfish. Like, I think the reason I didn't, you know, let's just say that I was, you know, not, I was no longer an athlete. Let's just put it that way. Um, That I did, it kind of felt like I don't don't have time. I can't really afford to like do all that for myself. I felt like I was doing it for myself. You know, like I'm not going to the gym because I got to rush home and I'm, you know, I'm not going to whatever, you know, and I'm, I'm not worried about what I'm eating because I'm just trying to keep moving and I've got all this other stuff to worry about. I'm not worried about my own physical health. Um, but I think you can really easily decide that an investment in my physical health is going to pay dividends with a stronger me. And that's a better husband and a better father, and even a better CEO and a better minister, and a better, and a disciple yeah. and a servant. all those things. All those things. Yeah. So yeah, yeah sleep, we, we're just really big on sleep, eat exercise right now. Yeah. And I'm sure there's seasons where that's really difficult, right? Where something's coming up at the office or with the yeah. you know, transition. So I, I, what, what do you say to those that have tried to hold that balance, but they just get discouraged? Like, is there some, there's there a tactic or a model or I just try to keep you there? You have to just tell yourself, this is non-negotiable. Like, you know, this getting, getting seven to eight hours of sleep that has to be done. Uh-huh. And then in, not that we do. All not that. that he did it last night, but you did wake up this morning saying <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> we need to get more sleep. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, of course we're going to fail at all these things, but like having the right aspirations, I think, um, and just somehow convincing yourself, no matter what's going on in your life, that getting enough sleep, eating decent food and making time to exercise, that sort of starts there. And then you see what time is left and you do the best you can with the time that's left. But what I did for 20 years of my career was, well, I don't have time for any of that. And yeah. I just would, I would, if I could jump in the little DeLorean, I'd go back in time and I'd do it differently. Yeah. Yeah. There's always a, you can do that once you retire or sell out your right. company or whatever, right? Like you'll get back on that, but it's got to be throughout these times, right? And it just has to come first. You know, yeah. we, another thing we, as we talk to our own kids and, and other kids that we know and, and care about, you know, you come off of your mission and you just have all of these desires to do all of the things. And so you're going to, not only are you going to take 17 credit hours 
you're going to take, you know, all of the hard chemistries in a row and you're not going to, you know, you're going to go, you're going to do spring and summer classes, but you're going to do them at night because you're also going to be working full time. And then you've got this separate side project you're working on, but then you also want to do this volunteer work. And all of a sudden, if you add up all of those hours, they just don't fit into a week that any normal human being could ever do. And lo and behold, you end up hurt. You end up sick. You end up, you know, frustrated with yourself and not, and not, you know, performing at the level you, you hope to perform at because no one could perform that way. I mean, there's, there's, there's three freaks in the history of the world that could do all the things you're trying to do. Well, and it might seem like it, especially on social media where it looks like yeah. everybody's doing everything and you hold yourself to this unrealistic standard, Yeah, but that can be really dangerous. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Vanessa, anything we're missing with the, the wheel of wellness or have we covered it? No, I think that's, I think that's pretty good. Cool. Something awesome. that I stand by and I, <laughs> I approve this message. Nice. All right. And I love how these principles, they sort of bleed into each other and there's a nice flow here. So the last one you, you put is hold on to what matters most. What have we missed there? So that kind of became a tagline for our business, you know, as we were, building a business to help people hold on to those everyday moments, those ev amazing things that happen that sometimes will just like disappear into the ether. We really like the idea of printing them, getting them into your hands, getting them into the hands of your family. Um, so that's where that little phrase kind of, you know, grew out of, but um, it's just, it kind of encompasses everything that we've talked about, like what's most important to you. Um, and, you know, how are you going to make it present in your everyday life? And I think, you know, for, for us, it's our relationship with um, our Heavenly Father and our faith. And that bleeds right into our family and everything that we do with our family and how we prioritize our family. And, um, you know, business and career and all that stuff is, you know, to help support the family, which then, you know, a healthy family helps us um, serve others and, and you know, love and minister to others. And it just, it's all, all intertwined and interwoven. And we hold on, we try to hold on to it by holding on to each other first, holding on to our faith and, um, giving ourselves a lot of grace along the way too. We, we, that could have been a seventh one because mm. that's something else we talk a lot about in grace. And you were talking, you asked how, you know, if you're feeling like you can't focus on your physical health, you know, you keep trying, we all make mistakes through life. We all make mistakes, but we don't ever want to beat ourselves up or, you know, make it worse by just heaping on guilt and all of that stuff that we really believe in the grace of Jesus Christ and how it can help us um, be forgiven from our sins, but also it can help us, you know, feel encouraged to try again in every aspect of our life. Every morning is a new day. And um, that's something that we really believe and we feel in our life and we preach to our kids regularly. Awesome. Anything else to add on that note, Nate? Just an amen to all, all of right. that that Vanessa just said. <laughs> love it. Love it. Um, well, I got a few more questions for you. Uh, maybe just some fun ones. Uh, if, you know, for those business professionals out there, uh, Latter-day Saint business professionals, what, any, any book recommend recommendations you'd have for them that you've really loved and found helpful in your, in your career? I would you just gave... Who did you just give a book to? This Lean, oh, startup. The Lean Startup. If you're an entrepreneur, you have to read The Lean Startup. That's yeah. actually one of the standard works. You have to put that you know, <laughs> put it underneath. Especially you know, if you're thinking about starting a an app or some type of software. Most of my advice is uh, don't do what I did 
and the lean, you know <laughs> the chat books did not follow the lean startup model and you know we could have saved a couple million bucks and a couple years you know, yeah had i followed that a little more closely but sounds like a couple- it sounds like a good title for your book, Nate. Don't do not do what I did. Or, yeah, know, exactly. <laughs> tell <Hey>. your memoir. <laughs> yeah. um, there are a couple of books that we give to everybody that joins our team. It's kind of part of our the tome of yeah. how the, we do The chapbook standard chat works, the chapbook's culture standard um, works. And one of them is The Advantage by Patrick Leoncini. Talks a lot about culture. Lencioni. Lencioni. Like I don't yeah. know. Yeah, he's great. Um, and then... We like Radical Candor. Yep. Mm, that's uh, we like that framework of actually, you know, first of all, caring, really actually truly caring about people and then, you know, giving them advice they can actually use and, and asking for the same from, from your teammates, asking for real clear feedback. So we really like that radical candor framework a lot. I love the, the Clayton Christensen, you know, works in general, yeah. but in particular, one that we love is the, how will you measure your life? It started off life as an HBR article actually started off life as just his last lecture to um all of his sections but anything that clayton has ever written said thought hinted at is uh right up there for me yeah perfect perfect well this has been uh fantastic i know i've i've learned a lot and uh i'm excited to share this with the the listening audience uh any principle or thought we've missed before i ask you our, our last question no, we've, we've, we've droned on a lot. <laughs> Just sticking back to we are in Rome and then that kind of encapsulates everything we have to offer. Nice. And I don't know, uh, obviously chat books is uh, alive and well on social media and whatnot. They can probably follow there, but any other uh, places you'd send people to learn more about uh, chat books or you two or go to chat books and subscribe to month books. That's it. Cool. Nice. That's <laughs> the, the only ask. <laughs> Yeah, that's all we care about right now. Nice. So our subscriptions. Nice. Love it. Well, uh, last question I have for you, and uh, we'll, Nate, we'll have you go first, and Vanessa, you can close us out here, is if you were standing in a room full of uh, individuals considering business school or those that have, are in business school or those that have graduated, uh, what final encouragement would you give to them? Hmm. Enjoy it. And you did. You did enjoy it. Well, not just business school, like final encouragement for life. It would be something along the lines of, um, you know, president Nelson is just constantly smiling and he's got mm. the weight of the world on his shoulders. I'm sure the things that filter up through, you know, the, the 16 million or, you know, however many members of the church, plus the rest of the world that he feels responsible for, you know, could just really weigh very heavily on his shoulders. And he's somehow, because he has, all of the things that President Nelson has, is constantly smiling, and uh, and I love how he um, he talks about joy in the same sentence as enduring. You know, he, he's put enduring and joy together. And um, man, I'm trying to follow the prophet in, in that way, not successfully on lots and lots of days. I get plenty grumpy, especially if I haven't played tennis in a while. Um, <laughs> but I just absolutely love the way he finds joy in every day. Love that. Vanessa, what are your final encouragements? Well, the, th- the thing that comes to my mind is um, that there are different seasons in throughout life. And as a girl who grew up in Florida, I didn't really understand <laughs> what that meant. I was, we had bright, sunny weather all the time. But um, as I've been a mother and a wife and uh, support to an entrepreneur and then building a business, I, I've seen very clearly how different seasons um, bring different things, different, 
stresses and relief and struggle. And there is a time and season for everything. And if you are cruising through life and things aren't exactly how you thought they would be, or, you know, it's okay. This is just a season. There's something next around the corner. The beauty of living in Utah right now is, you know, winter comes and, you know, I don't really love the snow. I've learned to love to ski, but then next comes spring and then it brings summer and, you know, just there's a time and season for everything and just, yeah, enjoy all of life has to offer. Thank you for listening to the Latter-day Saint MBA podcast. Check out the show notes for more information about our guests and visit latterdaysaintmba.com to find details about the Latter-day Saint MBA Society.